Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Weird Tales Podcast. My name is Taiko Alhambra, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you are enjoying The Phantom of the Opera, this year's October project. It will be uh, progressing all the way through the month. There will not be an episode tonight at midnight. Um, this is the this episode that you're listening to now is the episode that would normally that is scheduled for today. So there's no episode at midnight, but we'll pick up at the following midnight and so on from there. So every Monday night uh, at midnight, there's not going to be a an episode. I hope that made sense because it's convoluted in my brain too. Hi. I think that's really about it. I don't really have a whole lot else to say. Um, thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Chris Callie, Eric Braun, and Mark Vincent for following me on Patreon. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, let's go ahead and get on with tonight's story. The Distressing Tale of Thangobrind the Jeweler by Lord Dunsany. When Thangobrind the Jeweler heard the ominous cough, he turned at once upon that narrow way. A thief was he, of very high repute, being patronized by the lofty and elect, for he stole nothing smaller than the Moomoo's egg, and in all his life stole only four kinds of stone, the ruby, the diamond, the emerald, and the sapphire. And, as jewelers go, his honesty was great. Now, there was a merchant prince who had come to Thangobrind and had offered his daughter's soul for the diamond that is larger than the human head and was to be found on the lap of the spider-idol Hlo-Hlo in his temple of Mungaling, for he had heard that Thangobrind was a thief to be trusted. Thangobrind oiled his body and slipped out of his shop and went secretly through byways and got as far as Snarp before anybody knew that he was out on business again or missed his sword from its place under the counter. Thence he moved only by night, hiding by day and rubbing the edges of his sword, which he called Mouse, because it was swift and nimble. The jeweler had subtle methods of traveling. Nobody saw him cross the plains of Zid. Nobody saw him come to Mursk or Tloon. Oh, but he loved shadows. Once the moon peeping out unexpectedly from a tempest had betrayed an ordinary jeweler. Not so did it undo Thangobrind. The watchman only saw a crouching shape that snarled and laughed. "'Tis but a hyena,' they said. Once in the city of Ag, one of the guardians seized him, but Thangobrind was oiled and slipped from his hand. You scarcely heard his bare feet patter away. He knew that the merchant prince awaited his return, his little eyes open all night and glittering with greed. He knew how his daughter lay chained up and screaming night and day. Ah, Thangobrin knew. And had he not been out on business, he had almost allowed himself one or two little laughs. But business was business, and the diamond that he sought still lay on the lap of Hlo-Hlo, where it had been for the last two million years since Hlo-Hlo created the world and gave unto it all things except that precious stone called the dead man's diamond. The jewel was often stolen, but it had a knack of coming back again to the lap of Hlo-Hlo. Thangobrin knew this, but he was no common jeweler and hoped to outwit Hlo-Hlo, perceiving not the trend of ambition and lust, and that they are vanity. How nimbly he threaded his way through the pits of Snood, now like a botanist scrutinizing the ground, now like a dancer leaping from crumbling edges. It was quite dark when he went by the towers of Tor, 
where archers shoot ivory arrows at strangers, lest any foreigner should alter their laws, which are bad, but not to be altered by mere aliens. At night, they shoot by the sound of the stranger's feet. O oh, Thangobrind, Thangobrind was ever a jeweler like you. He dragged two stones behind him by long cords, and at these the archers shot. Tempting indeed was the snare that they set in Wath, the emeralds loose set in the city's gate. But Thangobrind discerned the golden cord that climbed the wall from each, and the weights that would topple upon him if he touched one, and so he left them, though he left them weeping, and at last came to Theth. There all men worship Hloho, though they are willing to believe in other gods, as missionaries attest, but only as creatures of the chase for the hunting of Hloho, who wears their halos, so these people say, on golden hooks along his hunting belt. And from Theth he came to the city of Mung and the temple of Mungaling, and entered and saw the spider idol Hloho sitting there with the dead man's diamond glittering on his lap and looking for all the world like a full moon, but a full moon seen by a lunatic who had slept too long in its rays, for there was in dead man's diamond a certain sinister look and aboding of things to happen that are better not mentioned here. The face of the spider idol was lit by that fatal gem. There was no other light. In spite of his shocking limbs and that demoniac body, his face was serene and apparently unconscious. A little fear came into the mind of Thangobrind the jeweler, a passing tremor, no more. Business was business, and he hoped for the best. Thangobrind offered honey to Loho and prostrated himself before him. Oh, he was cunning. When the priests stole out of the darkness to lap up the honey, they were stretched senseless on the temple floor, for there was a drug in the honey that was offered to Loho, and Thangobrind the jeweler picked dead man's diamond up and put it on his shoulder and trudged away from the shrine, and Loho, the spider idol, said nothing at all but he laughed softly as the jeweler shut the door. When the priests awoke out of the grip of the drug that was offered with the honey to Lolo, they rushed to a little secret room with an outlet on the stars and cast a horoscope of the thief. Something that they saw in the horoscope seemed to satisfy the priests. It was not like Thangobrind to go back by the road by which he had come. No, he went by another road, even though it led to the narrow way, night house, and spider forest. The city of Moon went towering by behind him, balcony above balcony eclipsing half the stars as he trudged away with his diamond. Though when a soft pittering as of velvet feet arose behind him, he refused to acknowledge that it might be what he feared, yet the instincts of his trade told him that it is not well when any noise whatever follows a diamond by night and this was one of the largest that had ever come to him in the way of business. When he came to the narrow way that leads to Spider Forest, the dead man's diamond feeling cold and heavy, and the velvety footfall seemingly fearfully close, the jeweler stopped and almost hesitated. He looked behind him. There was nothing there. He listened attentively. There was no sound now. Then he thought of the screams of the merchant prince's daughter, whose soul was the diamond's price, and smiled and went stoutly on. There watched him apathetically over the narrow way, 
that grim and dubious woman whose house is the night. Thangobrind, hearing no longer the sound of suspicious feet, felt easier now. He was all but come to the end of the narrow way when the woman listlessly uttered that ominous cough. The cough was too full of meaning to be disregarded. Thangobrind turned round and saw at once what he feared. The spider idol had not stayed at home. The jeweler put his diamond gently upon the ground and drew his sword called Mouse. And then began that famous fight upon the narrow way in which the grim old woman whose house was night seemed to take so little interest. To the spider idol, you saw at once it was all a horrible joke. To the jeweler, it was grim earnest. He fought and panted and was pushed back slowly along the narrow way, but he wounded Hloho all the while with terrible long gashes all over his deep soft body till Mouse was slimy with blood. But at last the persistent laughter of Hloho was too much for the jeweler's nerves, and once more, wounding his demoniac foe, he sank aghast and exhausted by the door of the house called Night at the feet of the grim old woman, who, having uttered once that ominous cough, interfered no further with the course of events. And there carried Thangobrind Jeweler away, those whose duty it was, to the house where the two men hang, and taking down from his hook the left-hand one of the two, they put that venturous jeweler in his place, so that there fell on him the doom that he feared. As all men know, though it is so long since, and there abated somewhat the ire of the envious gods. And the only daughter of the merchant prince felt so little gratitude for this great deliverance that she took to respectability of a militant kind and became aggressively dull, and called her home the English Riviera, and had platitudes worked in worsted upon her tea-cozy, and in the end never died, but passed away at her residence. And that was the distressing tale of Thangobrind the Jeweler by Lord Dunsany. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Alder Riley and Matthias Hansen for supporting me on Patreon. Um... You guys are great. I really appreciate it. The next episode, uh, or episodes, depending on how long the chapter is. Um, it, if it's a long chapter, I'll just do one chapter. If it's short chapters, I'll do two. Uh, will be coming out on October 15th. Um, those are the next chapters in The Moonstone by Wilkie Collins, which you can listen to uh, if you become a $10 uh, 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 supporter on Patreon. I completely locked up there. Could not think of the word. Um, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Other than that, uh, I think I'm done. So have a good night. Thank you all for listening. The Phantom of the Opera will be back tomorrow night. Uh, and have a nice week. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Here's the bloops. And from Veth, he came to the city of Moong and the temple of Moongaling and entered and saw the spider idol Hloho sitting there with the dead man's diamond glittering on his lap and looking for all the world like a full moon but a full moon seen by a lunatic who had slept too long in its rays, for there was in Dead Man's Diamond a certain sinister look and a boding of things to happen that are better not mentioned here. That was one sentence. J just, that was all one sentence.